0: Thank you, guys. I, yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is really fun for me to come to what I perceive as home. Uh, I grew up in Chaska. If you ever drive down Pioneer Trail down there and you look to the left, there's a treehouse. It was mine one day. It was awesome. It had a trap door and, you, like, out to a fire pole that you could actually go down. It was sweet. It was on television. If you look up home time on PBS, I don't think it's anywhere, but maybe Google Images. You can find me on there when I was, like, in third grade. It's pretty embarrassing. But... Uh, I am really excited to be here because, yeah, like Jordan said, I live down in Ames right now. I went to Iowa State, and that's where I met Jesus through the Salt Company, and so for me to be up here in my like hometown, being able to preach the gospel that saved me is something that I'm, I'm really stoked for, and I'm excited uh, tonight to be able to talk to you guys, and so if you guys have a Bible, um, go on open up to Romans 2. That's where we're going to be studying out of tonight, um, and as you're doing so, I just want to put out a little warning here that this is a tough text, right? If you guys have studied Romans, uh, Paul doesn't hold back any punches from the beginning of his letter because he knows that, guys, we're sinners. And if we don't recognize our sin, then why do we need Jesus? There's no need for the gospel if we don't first know that yeah, we, we, we need to understand who we are at a core level, that we are sinners, and so that 's what paul 's going to talk about that 's what Jordan talked about last week as he went through Romans one, the second half of it, talking about god 's rightful wrath against all unrighteousness that everybody all human all humanity has right that we have this this, this festering just like desire to do bad and we call it idolatry we run after things that are not god even though we have the knowledge of him that's what jordan was talking about and then then paul transitions from talking about just mankind in general to specifically god's people those who know jesus and have professed him as their savior both the jews and the gentiles in rome he's talking to them specifically and for what we have tonight i want you to know this is heavy Right? We're talking about judgment here, and when we hear about judgment, we say, no, you don't. I, 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 don't, I don't want to talk about judgment. I want to talk about God's grace. I want to talk about his ability to save me, but if we can just not talk about judgment, just sweep that under the rug, that would be best, and Paul is saying we can't do that because when we understand the bad news that we are sinners who will be judged by a God who is a perfect judge, that's not good news for us in itself. There needs to be something more, and that's what we're going To get to at the end. And if you listen to nothing else that I say right now, come back next week because Jordan is going to talk the sweetest truth in all the gospel about grace through faith. But first we have to dig into the bad news a little bit. And so if you have your Bible and you're in Romans 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And and Paul's writing to the Jews and the Gentiles here and he's saying, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? And what he's saying here? He's saying you judge, and you're placing yourself in God's place he is the judge and you are for some reason placing it on yourself the responsibility of judging others and I understand this so well because like Jordan said I I lead high schoolers right and if any of you guys remember when you guys were high schoolers high schoolers are kind of dumb sometimes right I had to walk through one of my students or actually three of them and explain to them yeah you, you understand why the cops came to your house because you super glued a chalice to somebody's hood of the car right? There's this, people do stupid stuff in high school. I did stupid things in high school, right? And what, it's so easy for me to judge them, right? It's so easy for me to say, why are you doing this? Why, Why would you do this when I, too, struggle with sin, right? How can I call them out on their lust when I, too, have to fight against lust, right? And he's saying, all of us are sinners here, and we all are deserving to be judged by a God who is super, super good, so gracious and so perfect that he is the one that should be the one that's judging us. We should not be judging each other. So we were saying, Paul's saying, you do not need to help God judge people. He doesn't need your help. What he needs you to do is to get the focus off of yourself but instead Use this time that he has, what we're, what we're going to look at, use this time that he has placed for you when you are busy judging others to actually look in the mirror and look at yourself. And so continuing verse four, he says, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to Repentance. Right? This time that you are not currently being eternally judged for your sin is actually not a time that you can just be living in the freedom to just judge other people, but it's a time to actually reflect on yourself and say, those same things that I'm calling other people out for, I myself do too. Right? And we're supposed to move from that and actually into God's repentance and the repentance that we can have before him when we move away from our sin. That's what he's saying. But because of your hard and impenitent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Because there will be a day when we no longer will be able to judge others, because God will have judged us, and it will be a final judgment. And what I want you to know, and what we'll see, is that God's judgment is righteous. He's not going to make any mistakes, and it's inescapable. Right, because in verse 6, he says, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. What he's saying is, I'm not going to make any mistakes. Right? I, I, I have this like, fear in myself that I'm just going to be like pulled over someday, driving my car, and I'm going to be like arrested and then ultimately like, go to court. Does anybody ever, like, just fear, like, more than anything? I'm sorry, this is this is crazy. Um, right? Does anybody else, like, fear, like, going to court and then just, like, for some weird reason, like, even though you're completely innocent just being convicted? Like, this is something that runs through my head sometimes and it freaks the heck out of me, right? Because I do not want to be wrongly convicted. And what Paul is saying here is God is a righteous judge and he is not going to make any mistakes. Right? He's saying if you... Disobey the law, which we'll talk about. If you are not perfect, you are guilty, right? And I know, he knows what guilty is. He created the law. He's not going to make a mistake. So when you stand before him, you don't have to worry that, you know what, maybe I'm just gonna get let off. Maybe he's actually gonna make a mistake and I'm gonna be able to walk free. That's not gonna happen. What we know, what we know is true is that God doesn't make mistakes and he definitely does not make mistakes during his judgment and then what we know is that it is inescapable as as much as I know that I'm here and I'm teaching the bible to you and as much as you know that you are here in minneapolis in this like snowball filled room as confident as we are that we're here we're confident that we will be judged verse 11 for god shows no partiality for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. Right? What, what Paul is saying here is that, guys, we're not, we're not going, to, going to end up at the end of our lives and not be judged. Right? God is a God of judgment and he's not going to just forget about it. Right? And he's saying, God created the law. He created the perfect law that, that set out for his people the expectation of how they're supposed to live a holy life because he himself is holy, right? And to not live up to his standard means he cannot let you into his perfect heaven because sin, people tainted with sin, cannot exist under a holy God. And so that's why he gave the lot of people to be judged under. And he's saying, What knowledge you have of the law, whether you know it very well because you have the Bible or whether you do not know it at all because you've never even seen the Bible, right? You will be judged because you have knowledge of it. Jordan talked about this last week in Romans 1. We all have it written in our hearts. We have a conscience. We understand when we sin. And we understand when we sin that it is, there's something in us that's saying, That's not right. I shouldn't be doing that. Right? That's our conscience. It's saying, God has written it on your heart so that when we stand before him, we can't plead ignorance saying, I didn't know your law. You don't have any right to judge me because he has every right because we know the law. We can't, we can't plead ignorance before him. It's like trying to go, like take a flight to Europe and going there and saying, I didn't know I needed my passport, right? No one's going to buy that. They're going to say it was, on, it was on your ticket. It was on your itinerary. It's everywhere in the airport, right, is trying to go into a movie theater with your Jack's pizza and saying, I didn't know I couldn't bring in extra food, right? No one's gonna buy that. In this day and age, no one will believe it. And just like that, God is not going to say, you know what, you're right. You didn't understand my law. You didn't have knowledge of it. Come on in. He's gonna say, you cannot plead ignorance before me. You knew the law. I wrote it on your heart, Right? And, and, and I'm going through this fast, but what Paul is saying here, he's pointing out to everybody who thinks, who can conceive in their mind a way that God will just let them off without judging them. He's saying, you are sorely mistaken. If you are judging people, you are a fool if you think that God will not judge you. Right? And that it will be a perfect judgment because he is a perfect God. Right, and I know this can be hard to take, especially if you're new to Christianity and you say, I don't want to be a part of a, of a religion where their God is a God of judgment, where he is one of wrath. But, but believe me, stick with us. Stick with us because it's necessary that our God is a God of judgment. It's necessary that he is one that seeks out the good of his people and what is good for his people is actually for them to be called out on their sin, to be judged before him. Right, and so Paul has talked to everybody who thinks that they can get off, get out of judgment, because for for one reason or another. And now he's going to turn his attention, again, narrowing the scope. And I'm I'm really sorry about this. This Jordan, you said this wire this wire thing is different, and I'm, it's the Stan's fault. I need a binder. I know you teach with a binder. I need one of those things. Right. So now he's turning his attention from just like just everybody that has given their faith to Jesus and now he is, he's, he's narrowing in on God-specific people, the people who have received the law, the Israelites, the natural Jews, the ones that have descended from the line of Abraham. And what he's saying is you guys are boasting so much and just being in God's family that you've completely missed the point of being in God's family, which is to be a blessing to the nations, right, and to live in obedience to him. Right, in verse 17 he says, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, and we will continue, but before, what he is saying is that, hey, the Jews knew exactly who they were, right? They knew they were God's chosen people and they knew what they had in the law. God had given them his expectations, right, that they were supposed to be the ones that were rejoicing in the law, that they knew it was good. They were supposed to be the ones teaching it to each other, right, teaching it to people that did not know God so that they could bring honor to God. And for us in this room that know Jesus, that are Christians, we understand who we are. We understand that we have been given a gift that we can never pay back. Right? And what our responsibility is, is to love one another, right? to love God and to love our neighbor. Right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. And we're going to see, Paul's going to say, you guys have missed it. You guys have blown it. I have missed the point of Christianity. right?" And he's saying, you, in verse 21, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery you who abhor idols do you rob temples ryan you who preach against lusting do you yourself lust yes right you who who, who are judging others do you why, why are you judging others you have no right you are a hypocrite you are not living up to your calling right and see what had happened with the jews and what is happening with us a lot of the times is that we are so proud to be god's chosen people, right? We love being Christians because there's status with being a Christian, right? We are the ones who are actually kind of like when, when people think of Christians, they think rich they think, they, think, uh, they think people that have everything together, we actually love the title of being a Christian and we've forgotten the God who's given us the title right? We, just like the Jews, have forgotten who we are and what we were set out to be is to be a blessing to those who do not know him because for us who have Jesus, Jesus is everything. He should be everything. He is the reason why we are alive and they have missed it just like we have missed it, right? They were so proud in just being in the family that they forgot that they even had to obey the father and that he was a father that should be obeyed because he is good, right? They took so much pride in being in the family that they just totally forgot about the law and its importance and look what he says, came because of that in verse 23. You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Guys, so my last name is Spencer, and a couple of my friends are here, and uh, my dad's name is Big Earl, right? Big Earl Spencer. He's a bigger guy. He's but he's awesome. He's the reason why I have over half of my friends. I'm confident, and they'll agree with you. My dad is awesome. Like, he walks into a room, and everybody loves Big Earl, right? I love my dad, and I am proud to be a Spencer. When I was, like, from the time I could, like, walk, whenever I'd walk outside, he'd say, Ryan, who are you? And in my, like, voice, I can't do a high voice, i would be like, I'm a Spencer. And then, like, I would, like, walk outside and get the mail, and then I'd come in right? And as I get older and older, going to basketball practice or whatever it is, he'd always say, Ryan, who are you? I'd say, I'm a Spencer. And as I got older and older, the name that my dad has given me, being born into the Spencer family, became more and more important to me because I did not want to embarrass my dad when I went out into public, right? Because when people saw me coming, they'd say, that's Earl's son, right? And I wanted to make him proud. The biggest dishonor I could do to him was to tarnish my family name, right? I love being a Spencer because I love my dad, and my dad is somebody who deserves to be honored. Guys, compared to God, compared to God's name, the Spencer name is trash. Right? It's garbage. Your guys' family names may be amazing in this world, but they are garbage in comparison to the holy and beautiful and perfect God and you are in his family which means that you have a responsibility like I had to respect the Spencer name you have a responsibility just like the Jews did to respect and to bring honor to the name of God to be in his family and they had missed it right They was supposed to be a blessing they were supposed to make God appealing to all those they came into contact with but instead they blaspheme the name. There's nothing appealing about being a Christian or to being a Jew when they, when they would walk in their room. Right? What do people say when they walk into salt company? Right? What do people say when they walk into your dorms and they know that you're a Christian? Does your life make following God appealing to others? Does mine, right? This is something that I have to continually be fighting for and remembering is that I have so much more than just my name to live for, I have his name to live for, right? The law was supposed to guide them in that if they were to obey the law, God would look great to the people around them. Because what does your life say about Jesus? And then this next section, we're gonna talk about a taboo subject. Um, We're gonna be talking about circumcision, Uh, If you guys don't know what circumcision is, essentially what this is, is like a sign of the covenant that God gave to his people, right? It was something that said, this person is in the family of God, and more scientifically, I'm not gonna go into, but essentially it happened to a, a guy, and then he didn't walk straight for like a couple weeks, because places that you never want to hurt, if you're a guy, hurt really, really bad for a long time. So essentially that's all I'm gonna say. If you have any more questions, did we agree that Hannah would be fielding questions later on circumcision? So if you guys have questions there, uh, you, can, you can definitely talk uh, to her. So let's look, look again in, in the Bible in verse 25. right? And so it's the this, this sign of the covenant circumcision that, that represents being in God's family. You can relate it to like baptism now being, being kind of like a sign that's saying, I'm in the family now, I've believed. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision, but break the law. That's what's what's important for us to remember here is that this, this is the Jews that were given this, this gift of circumcision, this, this covenant saying that they belong to God's family, and now for us, it's like a symbol of baptism that's saying, I'm now dead to myself, and now I'm alive to Christ. I'm in the family. I want to run after him. And Paul is saying, you guys have abused this gift. You guys have forgotten what it means to be in God's family, and you who have this gift, who are in the family, if you guys don't obey your father, it's like you're not even in the family. It's, you're dishonoring him by not obeying. There are actually people out there, and so for us people that are not Christians, who actually look more like Christians than we do, right? who live a quote-unquote holier life that follow the rules better than we do, and that condemns us. Right? They can look and say, I, you're supposed to be the Christian, and yet your life does not look like it. You were baptized, but yet I saw you partying the other night in and, and, and there's something that's just off, and Paul is saying, "Hey guys, circumcision is not the goal; it never should be. But circumcision is not the goal, right? Obeying the law is not the goal. It's following God, knowing God, loving God is the goal. It's why we are supposed to be in the family. See, what God desires more than anything is obedience and love of Him, right? To love, to obey Him, and loving people and to Love God himself. And it's what the Jews had missed. They were so proud to be the receivers of the covenant, the receivers of the law. We are so proud to be in the family that we forget what it means to actually follow the Father in obedience and in love. Circumcision, baptism means nothing if we don't obey the Father, if we don't obey what he has commanded us to love, love God and love another. right and the th- the thing is is that god just doesn't he's not neutral to our disobedience right god actually despises it when we disobey him he doesn't he doesn't take kindly to that right because it's dishonoring to him who's holy and perfect right and so regardless of how much christian music you listen to what the Christian clothes that you wear, the good deeds that you do, the amount of times you come to salt company, that you come to church, right, that you lead Bible studies. If you're doing it out of a selfish heart, if you're not doing it all for his glory, he's saying, I don't want it. And so what we're left with is the Jews wondering, well, what's the point anymore? Right, if, if, if circumcision isn't enough to keep me from being judged, right, for not obeying the law, if, if the covenant, if, if, if following the law isn't enough, if just receiving the law isn't enough, well, what's the point? And I wanna point you, and you don't have to flip there, but I wanna go back to the Old Testament to when the Jews had just first received the law. And God knew that they would never be able to keep it, just like you and I can never be perfect, right, because we're born into this life of sin. But in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel 36, God promised a day when he would through his spirit remove our, stone, our our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh right hearts that were that were no more just like dead to god and alive to this world but that were actually dead to this world and alive to god hearts that would actually give us the spirit that would lead us towards him as we are adopted into his family as just like those of you who went to the conference and heard Romans 8 there's amazing truth in there about the life that comes through the spirit and this is what god has promised Right, and so in verse 28 of, of, of Romans 2, it says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inward and in secret, and circumcision, circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. As God desires to change your hearts, right? Because without it, you are not gonna be able to obey the law and you're not gonna be able to please him and when you stand before judgment, you guys will be found guilty. Right? You're gonna be found guilty of all of your sin, of all of your disobedience. But God has an answer and his first part of his answer is giving you a new heart. Right? The gift of the spirit changes our heart to be more in line with God's heart. Right? It takes our mind off of ourself even just for a moment to just focus on his perfection right, his perfection and his character and his righteousness and his justice, right? And when we understand who God is, we understand, all right, it's actually a good thing that God judges people because we don't want people who are sinful in the presence of a holy God. And so we begin to understand, all right, God, I understand why it is that, that I can't enter into your presence right now. I understand that I am guilty, I am a sinner, and your heart is leading me to repent of that and actually to move closer to you. And ultimately, our heart that comes from God is actually going to lead us to a more humble life where we're actually not seeking the glory of man that comes from, from each other, but actually the glory and praise that comes from our Father. As without, without this new spirit that comes from a new heart that only God can give. As we, we don't have anything. We have no hope. As God's people thought they were defined by just being in the family, they thought that that was enough to keep them from judgment. We often think that just being a Christian means that at the end of our life, God is not going to judge us and he's just going to accept us into heaven and that is not the case. Paul's saying, no, you guys have missed the mark just like they did. God's people are to be defined by this new spirit that he has given them out of his grace. Guys, this is a, this is a difficult text, this is a difficult thing to think about because we don't like judgment we don't like to talk about it, but it's necessary and we're going to show you why, I want, we skipped a verse I want you to go back into verse 16 and this is going to be the beginning of the gospel, it's going to be the beginning of what is to come next week when, when Jordan speaks the greatest truth that we are saved by grace through faith but first we need to understand what this judgment is going to be like In verse 16 of Romans 2. Paul's talking about the day of judgment, that final day when Christ returns. This is according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Guys, on the last day when Jesus comes back, you will stand before him to be judged. I will stand before him to be judged and there's no merit of my own that's going to save me. He's gonna look at my life just like he will look at yours, just like he has looked at every person who has existed, and he will say, you are guilty. Why? Because you have not obeyed my law. You have not perfectly loved me. You have not perfectly loved each other, and therefore you are guilty because I cannot let you in to my perfect heaven, my perfect home with the sin that you have committed. Right, And so we are going to stand before Jesus, the judge, He's been given all authority in heaven to judge. And now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 4. If you have a Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 4. We're going to be looking at verse 5. And Paul is again talking here. He's writing. And this is just, it, it blows me away every time I read it. And he's saying he's saying to the people, why are you judging me? I don't even judge myself. Because people were, were saying all these things about him and accusing him of things. And he's saying, I don't. I don't need your judgment. You guys can't judge me. I don't even judge myself. And here's why. Verse five says, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness. When Jesus sees everything we've done, all of our sin, and it's laid before him, and he's he's gotta think guilty because we're guilty, because we've sinned. Right, he says, Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness, will disclose the deepest purposes of our heart, and then each one will receive his commendation before God. And, guys, I read this and I'm blown away because it should be condemnation. That's what I should have. I should have condemnation before the Father because I have sinned over and over and over again. Right? I... The words are so close to each other that you can just skip over it, right? I know what I deserve. I know what you deserve. Paul knew what he deserved. He deserved condemnation before God, to be eternally separated from him, for Jesus to say, away from me. But instead, out of his grace, out of his love, he will actually praise you before the Father, And he will say, enter into my rest, enter into heaven. I want you with me because I love you, right? Because I went to the cross for your sin, right? The reason that I have no fear of that final day, I have no fear of the day when I stand before God, I have no fear that I'm going to be condemned before him because of what Jesus has done. Right, this is the truth of the gospel, that yes, we are sinners. Yes, we will be judged. Yes, it will be a righteous judgment, and God will find you guilty, because you have sinned, and we know this to be true. We know this in our hearts. But the truth of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, is that in that moment when we should be condemned, the scriptures flipped, and we are faithfully commended before the Father because of what Jesus has done. This is why we can rejoice, right? This is the hope that we have as Christians. Not that we are going to escape judgment, right? Because we know that nobody will. Paul knew that nobody would escape judgment, but our hope comes in during that judgment when we are found guilty, the grace of Jesus is just too overwhelming and we will be found innocent. We will be declared innocent even though we are guilty. This is the hope that we have. If you guys have not experienced this freedom that comes from understanding what our ultimate, what this trial will end up like, if you guys have not accepted Jesus and know know that he loves you and that he desires this for you, I pray that you would not leave this place tonight without talking to somebody you know that has experienced that. Talk to Jordan, talk to Kaylee, talk to Hannah, talk to Isaac, talk to one of the leaders about how can I get this? How is this possible, right? How is it that even though I am a sinner, even though that I have failed God in so many ways that on that last day, when I am judged, that I can be found innocent, that I can actually be praised and and God can be happy with me. Guys, and if you are Christians, do you want that for your friends? Do you want that for the people who are sitting in their sin thinking, I'm going to be judged regardless and there's no hope for me. So what's, what's the point? Guys, if we are Christians, just like the Jews missed it, just like we as Christians have so often missed it, you guys have the choice and the chance to not miss it and to actually be a blessing to those who need to hear this hope. Let's pray. Father, you blow me away with the way that you can save sinners, that you would want to save sinners, that you would want me. As I'm reading this, and I understand that I so often judge and I so often think poorly of others when I do the same thing. God, how, how is it that you can do that? God, would you, would you put that in our hearts to be thinking just through the grace that is, and I'm so excited for Jordan next week to be sharing this grace. It's such a, it's such a more fun message to hear about your grace, but it's important that we understand our sin. It's important that we understand who we are and our need for a Savior that we can't do it ourselves. God, would you continue to convict us of sin so that we would remember the guilt that is before us, but also the eternal joy that is before us because of what your Son did on the cross. Lord, your gospel is good. Your gospel is good, and I am confident in it. I'm confident that there's no condemnation for me. Romans 8, one. there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you put that on our hearts, and would we know that to be true? God, would you bless this time of worship? Horsesho-